This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We have a liftoff. Brentford recorded their first win of the season. A 1-0 away win, of course, against bogey team Middlesbrough. But not bogey anymore, gents. Two wins in the space of five months. Incredible. What was it, 81 years before that, that you managed to get your last victory over at Middlesbrough? We're going to be hearing from what both Borough and Brentford fans had to say after that match about their team's performance. We're going to listen to the thoughts of head coach Thomas Frank and Ollie Watkins post-victory. We're going to look forward to the League Cup match against Cambridge on Tuesday night. The Besotti crew will reminisce on Cambridge matches and players from the past. Some great memories there from the 98-99 season. Ex-Brentford players Lloyd Awusu and Darren Powell will recall that third division championship winning game at the Abbey Stadium. We're also going to be talking to Ollie Slack from Yabba TV about Cambridge's visit to Griffin Park. Tomorrow it's the Brentford Fan Show. Me, Matt Biddle, here with the guys from Besotted. Billy the B Grant, who's pointing at me oh my God, already. You, are you out of breath, man? I mean, how <laughs> action-packed was that? I mean, listen. We're, we're packed. You know what happens? Go on. We win a game and we just cram it all in. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't know when we're going to win the next one. So that's what we did. Just throw it all in there like proper kitchen stink, Siley. We're so excited. Excited. We're definitely not going to stink it out today. Billy the B. Grant and Jerry the Cabbie Burke with me as well. How are you, Jerry? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Must be buzzing after the weekend's results. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Just uh, sort of an hour and a half on a Saturday brightens your weekend and your next week. That's right. We are going to get on to it, but first a bit of chat about the transfer window, gents. It is finally shut. We were talking last week about what was going to happen. Neil Malpe eventually went to Brighton. Drew Yearwood came in. Brian Buemo came in from Troyes. Halil Dervisoglu came in from Sparta well, Rotterdam. Well, well, well Thank you. Thank you. He won't join up with the club until <laughs> January, of course. We did sp- speak about Albion Ayeti. He ended up moving to West Ham, of course. And Saman Godosh as well from Amiens didn't come in no no and that was the big one as well because that was the one that's really scuppered us as well you know if you just like I said to you quickly if you check out prideofwest.london the podcast we did a transfer deadline day podcast it was literally minute by minute it's very very exciting and we put it out about an hour after the transfer deadline was closed so check that out still we went through all the heartbreak that we had and all the joy as well but like I said to you Saman Hodos um, he was going to sign and then it didn't sign in the end the reasons were and it's been floating around there for quite a bit now basically it was a bit of an agent situation there was uh, his agent stroke agents um, basically made it a little bit more difficult we spoke to our sources out in Sweden we were speak to sources in Sweden so our Persian sources and also our French sources all at the same time giving us all different information coming in at the time it's going to happen it's not going to happen yes there was maybe a wage thing but basically the, 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 the goalposts kept a bit moving and moving and moving and moving and the thing is that this guy needs to get a move because his move to Amiens he wasn't scoring that many goals beforehand. He was brilliant and potentially he's a great player, but I think his agents just thought that he's, you know, they, they, they had a bigger fish than they did do, and they didn't see the bigger picture. So Brentford, in the end, to be fair to them, from what I can gather from our sources abroad, they turned their back and said, "Listen, we're just going to have to leave without it." So it scuppered us, and obviously we went for Lyle Taylor or Kyle Taylor, as we said in the podcast quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> at the last minute, and we, the last minute bid went in for him as well. Uh, about four million that was turned down by Charlton, and so we are left without a striker, or are we? That is the question, Jerry. No, well, this, we're obviously going to move uh, Ollie Watkins through the middle now. Um, 
He's had the odd sporadic game there when, when Morpai has been missing in the last sort of year or two. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what happens. I've got a fancy him there. I mean, he's got all the attributes, doesn't he, to, to play up there. He's big, he's strong, he's quick. Um, he just needs a run. I think five or six games, judge him at the back of that rather than first game and all, you know. Uh, and he just needs to get used to his movement, his own movement, spaces to pick up and, and build relationships with the uh, the forwards and the midfielders around him. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to listen to Ollie Watkins a bit later on in the show. Some really interesting comments from him, of course, on that one. The new contract as well from Ollie Watkins mm. is going to be at the club until 2023 at least. There's an option of another year. But he, of course, scored the winner at the Riverside gents in a resounding 1-0 victory <laughs> it was, I mean, tell you something <laughs> it was just so resounding I mean listen the thing is that I mean you really laugh but if you're a Brentford fan you, you've got to understand that the name Borough I mean we and we keep talking about this personally we love playing Borough and Govington to them because we've got a really great relationship with their fans we have a great time every time even though practically we lose every single time but we have a laugh so it's a bit of a weird scenario there but and, and we sit down but most Brentford fans they go oh geez we don't want to play Borough again because we just know that we lose even if we play brilliantly so we uh, you know the, the last time we broke the duck um, up in uh, last April I think it was March March last March it was great re- victory and we were really happy about that now we went up to Borough this time now Borough were quite confident they came off the, the tool at Luton they thought they should have got a win against Luton because they I think they missed a penalty didn't they or something something happened up, up yeah. some longer blazed one over the bar yeah, yeah. that's right so they, they missed that so they thought they should have got a victory then so they were quite confident playing at home the new Jonathan Woodgate playing this attacking football as they said and of course we're going up there and we've completely changed our team had no idea who we were playing didn't have it inverted commas recognised striker so there was a definite nervousness I mean we talked about it quite a lot in our little little crew didn't we yeah um and it's you, you never so i suppose you you would never know what you're going to get go up there because the previous games if you think it's been like karanka or it's been pulis and it's been that doggy even gary monk when he was there you know they're not expensive managers or such are they so uh for us to go up there is you know 81 years says it all really mm. so to get another one yeah it's, it's, it's brilliant to, and to do it when you know you haven't had 90 minutes of brilliant play you've just said that half but they've dug in and uh did exactly the sort of performance that you'd hope we had last year we was seeing it in the first away game yeah i mean i'm just wondering as well whether or not because the thing is that you know when the fans go up to borough i mean a lot of people said i'm not even going to go up to borough because we're just going to lose whereas we didn't really care about the football we just went anyway so you went there and we lost anyway you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but um, you're just wondering whether or not actually some of it is a mentality thing where the players think we're playing borough so we're going to lose because we're always going to lose. Do you understand what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, that 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 that's been broken. I mean, last last time it's been broken to a certain extent, but I just think this time, this time was very much. I mean, last time we 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 did go behind and we got two two fairly quick goals, but this time, you know, we should have been behind at half time, but we didn't. And I think maybe that mentality has been broken to a certain extent, which I think you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, which which might be to do with some of the new players that have come in yeah, and maybe you know, a mentality that they've put into the. Coach as well, with the, like, the, the mindset that he's putting into the players, you know, from day one, he's spoken about defensive mindset and being strong mentally, and we're starting to see it now. In you know, first two games of the season, it's interesting, Billy. You mentioned the fact that you like going up to Borough because of the fans. So, just trying to paint a picture here: Are you guys your friend? Do you meet up for pre-match pints and stuff? So you're yeah. actually together as fans? Yeah, yeah. We, really? I mean, most 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 away games we go to, we meet up with away fans. You know, Preston fans meet us off the train at sort of eight o'clock in the morning, take us to these places that we've never heard of before. You know, we, early. you know we do about five <laughs> or six different pubs go to the game then after the game we come back together and then they do the same thing they come down for the weekend down at Brentford and do the same thing so we do we've got really good relationships with lots of fans from all sorts of different teams it's a it's quite a sort of EF, I hate to say EFL but mm. it's quite a sort of a, and I don't say lower league but it's a quite a thing to do you know <laughs> in our level because I think what we found is when we go to Premier League matches we go to places and you can't even get into the local mm. pubs you've got bouncers on the door and there's this mentality that you can't mix whereas with us we can't we try to sort of kind of you know facilitate and make sure these things happen and even at Brentford when we went up a level when we went up to the championship and all of a sudden the police came in we had a meeting with them and they were going right we're going to segregate the club pubs and we can have the, the home pubs with this one and the away pubs with that one we said no we don't do this here you know we're Brentford and everyone mixes and we'll self-police our things so you have to leave everything as it is and they're really nervous about the QPR game and the Fulham game and nothing went off the first season and I think the second season after that they said actually these guys know what they're doing so you know that's just the way it is at Brentford we we like the fact that people can come in and you know sometimes there might be something that happens but we'll deal with it ourselves and don't make it impinge on the on the bigger picture 
that's absolutely the way that it should be lovely to hear that story Billy and of course you were in fine fettle after the game working hard getting views from both Borough and Brentford fans to hear what they had to say about the game final whistle is just blown final score Middlesbrough nil Brentford 1 game of two halves here Pretty poor in the first half, but in the second half came out a transformed team. Ollie Watkins got the goal, and quite frankly, the next uh, half an hour or so, rest of the game, Borough never threatened. Players coming over to the Brentford fans, absolutely ecstatic, fantastic victory. Getting a standing ovation from the Brentford fans. Very strong look inside. Uh, first half, we were looking very worrying. Came in the second half, I think they pulled it together. The boys were looking good. Very impressive Drew Yearwood who came on in, I think, the 89th minute. Very direct sort of play. I don't know if we deserve to win, but we, we came out in the second half and we, we really put the pressure on and we deserved a goal, definitely. I think we were quite lucky not to concede in the first half, but we made it to the end and we defended well. Jansen was amazing. I think, to be honest, him, I think he, he's what he missed last season, a commanding presence at the back. And it's good to see him there, like picking up the balls, like commanding the other defences, defenders around. Um, not really. Cannell's had a good game, actually. I thought I don't really like him that much, but I thought he played quite well today. Um, yeah, no, good all-round team performance. I thought absolutely fair result. Absolutely battered Middlesbrough in the second half. Glorious football. What a what a goal! It wasn't a scrappy goal. It was a, a brilliantly worked football goal, and I'm so pleased, Brentford won. He was so pleased. <laughs> yeah. Disappointing first game for Borough, but really a case of uh, not taking our chances in the first half. But we had plenty of them uh, when Brentford looked nervous in defence. Straight from the break, were pressing us and creating chances, pushing us back on the back foot. Um, it was a very good save from Randolph, so it was kind of like a warning shot, really, for what followed. Brought on a, a couple of our new signings, um, but we never really, to be honest, looked like troubling Brentford again, who, for whom uh, Janssen, number seven, was very impressive uh, and amongst several really sort of typical busy bees, really, uh, in the second period, troubling us quite a lot. Oh, I, live in, I live in London, I used to go every week, still got a season to get for this year, but I um, haven't been to a game in two years. And picked a good one today then. What a bloody ripper, wasn't it? That was amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Long story short, I've been in season ticket holder my whole life and I moved to Australia two years ago. But I bought a season ticket for this year and I'm only going to go to two games. <laughs> so I spent £500 for two games. But I get to go to the last game of the season. Yeah, you'll be there for the last so game. I'll fly in for that. Be there to clinch for Yay! Come for the sport, stay for the chat. Love Sport Radio. Yeah, this is Love Sport and the Brentford Fan Show with the guys from Besotted, Billy the Wee Grant and Jerry the Cabbie. But we've just heard the views from the fans. Interesting views, of course. Some saying, oh, I thought we just about deserved it. Others saying, I'm not sure we deserved it. It was one of those classic games of two halves. Borough, two disallowed goals. Of course, the second one, in my opinion, not really up for discussion. It looked miles offside. However, Jonathan Woodgate calling for VAR after the game because he felt they were hard done by. The question is, I suppose, were Brentford lucky? Were they? Did they deserve the win? Uh, again, if you use other people's arguments, say Brentford scored the goal, so they deserve the win. I mean, I mean, there's. I think that that argument is 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 too easy to black and white because if that is the case, then all you do is that you have a result at five o'clock, then you go home and just don't discuss it. Um, I think that you 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 always have numerous games where you know you could have had a game where you 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 had 75 clearances off the line, hit the post 14 times, and didn't score a goal, and the other team scored one goal, you know, from 40 yards. You know, and, you know that that is the argument there. But in this case here, I think. Yes, Brentford did deserve the win because we were, didn't go behind at half time. Uh, possibly we could have been behind at half time. If it was last season, we probably would have been behind at half time, but we didn't. And at half time, to be fair to Thomas Frank and the team, they changed it up. They they made the changes that they need to do. The mistakes that they're making at half time, they didn't make them. And even the Borough fans, even on this uh, little clips that we heard there, they said in the second half, Brentford came out. They came at us. They came in a different way. We didn't start giving away the ball like we did in the first half. And we were a different team. We scored the goal, a great goal. You see Sergi Canos. I mean, he just absolutely. <laughs> 
absolutely mm. took the bee down that wing, got the ball, crossed it in. You know, um, Ollie Watkins, you know, on an XG level, that was a proper big time XG goal that was because literally he's right in front of the goal maybe just a goalkeeper there listen you know if he missed that that would be um, Neil Malpe in Cardiff style wouldn't it oh, <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's, you, you can't miss those can you but I, I think you know I'm one of those who thinks if you score a goal you deserve regardless of chances that have been missed and stuff uh you know, you just you have to take your chances. That's part of the game, isn't it? Taking your chances. And if you haven't taken them, then, you know, what do you deserve out of a game? So, uh, they're two goals that shouldn't have been or whatever. You know, what I thought one was quite clear. Well, both were quite clear, really. The handball and the offside as well. So, you know, the game has stopped. The whistle had gone before he'd put it in the back of the net. So, I can't really say why they're grumbling too much about it. Just, you know, I've lost the game. It's just that sort of upset because you've lost really and as we say you know last season or the season before you know don't forget you know a couple of seasons ago we were playing brilliant football we didn't we didn't win a game for two months you know what i'm saying and everyone's going oh brilliant you're brentford you're so brilliant we even went up to borough and we like play them off the mm. park they're going oh why didn't you beat us you're so brilliant this time it's different because we've actually won the match and we're wondering you know asking ourselves what is the difference here the one thing that we did have is that we have gotten it's not all about one player but pontus Rianson. you know there was a few defensive mistakes that are happening we're giving the ball away mm. ethan pinnock looked a little bit shaky on the ball at times and unlike um, Birmingham last week who just couldn't be bothered to press us because they just, just couldn't be bothered on the other hand um, Borough were pressing us quite hard and they were forcing us to make mistakes and I think they're still getting to grips with the, the system exactly what Thomas Frank wants to do and this is new for Ethan Pinnock because we're taking it up a next level and we gave the ball away a few times Borough got it back and they didn't create the chances or didn't get the get the chances didn't score the goals that they should have done so we got away with it but also it's Pontus Janssen is out there shouting but also he is encouraging his teammates and slapping them on the back and all these things and I think this makes a massive massive difference and I think we know now the reason why we've brought him in as a leader because we've missed that haven't we Jerry? Yeah it's just huge we've not really I mean Harley Dean really sort of that sort of chest pump thumping captain uh, before that was Douglas really you know someone who's gonna when players make mistakes and players aren't putting it in you want someone to go up and go look this isn't good enough and when you start, they start doing that, then that goes around the rest of the team and they all start lifting their game. And I think Jansen's going to be that style of uh, captain for us. But again, I go back to the, the point, I think it's the whole uh, defensive mentality that Thomas Frank's been putting in there from probably since the, the day he took over last season. You know, it's defensive mindset. Enjoy defending, get back in time, do it quickly. And we, we're seeing that. And this gets, you know, if you go out and burrow and, and keep a clean sheet, in your second or your first away game then it sets a tone and essentially a benchmark for the rest of the season yeah it absolutely does and there were lapses of concentration in that first half like say Ethan Pinnock with the goal that never was that opener that he mm. kicked off the park David Rea chasing after the ball that he shouldn't really have been worried about uh, Jean Vier giving the ball away when Britta Sombolonga hit the post and obviously Thomas Frank got the guys in at half time gave him a good talking to here's what he had to say And I was very disappointed with the first half and the players was very disappointed with themselves because I know they can do better. <laughs> and the good thing was that they showed it second half. Um, we talked about three things uh, and, and of course some tactical bits, but three things we need to be more aware. Uh, they can't take quick free kicks and you know we could go, go down with our heads down. Um, every situation we need to be aware. We, we were not aware enough first half. Second thing, we were too soft in, in duels, in, uh, in pressing, in, in get on it under the ball. And, and third thing, which was um, maybe the the biggest thing we were simply not good enough on the ball we, we, we throw the ball away I don't know how many times uh, too many touches bad decisions um, not the quality we normally do um, and second half I think we changed all the three areas uh, and they, they stepped up um, and we played some more clever balls into our tens instead of to, to one of the eight midfielders and, 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 and stuff like that uh, because you, as you see throughout the game the chances that Middlesbrough had mainly I think they only had chances first half uh, what I would call you know, bigger chances was when we throw the ball away it was not in open open play. I think we, did, in general, defended very well, um, and it's very um, it's very good and, and, and nice to to sit on the bench and be okay, calm throughout second half. Uh, even when we went one 0 up away uh, against a good side, and we looked just solid and, and good defensively. I think there was some. Uh, I need to, to to watch it back, but I think there was some extremely good blocks uh, down there in the end for, from a lot of the defenders. But the desire to defend in general was extremely good from from the team, and, and <laughs> we need that if we want to take a take a, a, a step forward. Uh, but I must say that the three 
slash four centre backs did very well uh, together with David and, and Pontus in the middle. Uh, you know, organising, controlling, and, and, and Rico and Henrik and I would say the whole team. They, they showed they love to defend today and they need to do that. So I guess so disappointed when we don't dominate the game. I, I know we can't dominate all games, uh, but we want to have the ball and we want to try to to play forward and, 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 and attack. Uh, so I was much more pleased second half. Uh, I think we showed uh, who we are much more. Um, so so that's an area we need to improve going forward. Um, I'm pleased with second half. I'm very pleased with the win, but we need to uh, to improve uh, the quality on the ball. You know, I think it shows a little bit about the the squad that just blend in quickly. Um, and Brian, he I think he had a promising debut in only 15 minutes, something like that. The same with Drew, but they were just um, ready and they they went in there and gave everything for for the team. It's nice to be putting two 19-year-old uh, players on the pitch and just going there before. Well, that was Thomas Frank's reaction to the victory at Middlesbrough. I have to say, chaps, I really enjoy listening to Thomas Frank. Just the way he seems so methodical in a way that you're not used to hearing from some English managers, especially the, the more old school managers. And the fact that he said he got them in at half time and he identified those three mm. things. They needed to be more aware. They were too soft and not good enough on the ball, Billy. Yeah, and it's interesting as well because he is very methodical. I think it's very much the Brentford way where they they, be, they plan their things. They've been planning you know, the way the club's going to go for a good five six seven years now and it is all very methodical and they try and stick to it if yes if they make a mistake they'll go left and right and you can see it you know in the type of people they employ thomas frank if you met him honestly he's a brilliant bloke he's a lovely bloke he's a people person but also he's a really real football person all he wants to do is talk football but also he's really logical and methodical and it's interesting because if you have ollie watkins you know he talked about that game a little bit more and he talked about at half time he said um you know thomas gave us a good talking to if this was me I probably would have been a little bit more yeah, sort of ferocious, so. is what he said, <laughs> yeah. I think, to him. But obviously, he came in there and just basically said to them, in effect, guys, that was pretty rubbish. You need to sort it out. But he probably said it in his in a way which actually got them to tick, you know, and, and, and actually took the right buttons. And I think that's really, uh, obviously, very, very good man management. Yeah, it's just getting his message across, isn't it, in a, in a calm manner. Just to give him five minutes, let them players say what they want to say. I'm sure there was quite a few of them that sort of got up and said a few things and then just say, right, this is what we're not doing. It's A, B and C. Change this round. And, and, and you know, and this, that's what happened, wasn't it? You know, as you said, we were passing too short. They weren't being brave enough to pass it beyond the number eights into like the tens into Canos and to uh, Marcondo. So they start doing that. And then suddenly they're bypassing a few of the Middlesbrough midfield and they're getting higher territory up the pitch and able to play from there so it, it changes the game just one or two messages but if you do it calmly in a calm manner without the screaming and the shouting of a, a say a Roy Keane and teacups flying everywhere <laughs> you know they the pl- young players and that's the thing because they're all young players you know as he said there you know two 19 year olds coming off the bench you, you, what's the point? Why would you sh- scream and shout at two night? They're learning their, their trade. They're learning the game. So you know, and, let and, them learn properly. And it's interesting. You're right there, Jerry. It's interesting you say that about Brentford because you know we knew that last season we were one of the youngest squads in the Championship, and uh, and this time again come around we thought yes, let's sign a bit of experience. So we got Pontus Janssen in there. We got a few players, but mm. still. Um, we are down, there's some stats that have come out now where we have got the highest um, uh, amount of minutes played for, for, for young for players. Under 23s, for yeah. under 23s in the whole of the EFL. Again, like, you know, by far, you know, I think we've got about 1,000 sort of kind of 130 minutes of under 23s. And the teams that actually don't have uh, under 23s, I think Fulham have got zero minutes of under 23s and Cardiff have got about 90 minutes so they're playing under 23 so they're obviously trying to play real tried and tested people so for us we're quite proud of the fact that we're bringing these young kids through but at the same time we've still got that slight inexperienced thing so I think something like at the beginning of this season we're still going to make mistakes it's going to take us you know a month maybe a month and a half two months three months maybe to try and get under there because they're they're a lot younger absolutely and the hero of the day of course was ollie watkins scoring a goal after signing a new deal at the club and thomas frank also said some lovely things about him after the game and the fact that we had to sell the best number nine in the league but now the new number nine has scored so it's a case of job done here's what ollie had to say after the game I'm delighted, firstly, to sign a new contract and stay here. Um, you know, that's what I wanted to do, and I'm, I'm grateful that the club have uh, offered me the contract. Um, so I'm happy, and on the performance um, today, that's even better. I think so. I'm capable of it. Uh, I haven't had that many run of, uh, run of games there, 
um, so people have to be patient with me but I think once I get the hang of it um, yeah I can cause a threat to defences and, um, and I can score some goals. Just be patient with me he says. Yeah. Is the job done? Is, is Brentford's new striker found in Ollie Watkins? I think it's an option. I think that Ollie's there. And also the other thing is it's not, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. I think what's happened is that because you always knew that he wasn't in that role before and he would slip in there and then Neil would come back in, you know, you think, ah, oh, yeah, Ollie's there temporarily. But now, I think the onus is on him more so in training now. He's going to be spending a lot more time, actually, I think, training in that position. And it might take a month. It might take six weeks for, for, that, for that to happen. But, you know, he's starting to learn that he has to play in a different type of role. When he first came to Brentford, we all thought he was going to be a striker. But he actually said that he preferred playing out on the wing. And I think probably because he likes getting the ball, bringing about running Space, with the ball, yeah. you know. So, but now he's got to probably sort of, to a certain extent, rely on people playing the ball into him. And also he has to be a, a, a different type of, of discipline, whereas sometimes you might have to come and try and find the ball a little, you know a little bit or sometimes he might just to play it a different way so for him I'm thinking it's difficult for him because he has to retrain his brain to a certain extent but like I said to you don't forget that we've got Halil as well you know the Turkish striker who actually scored you know he signs for us on the Thursday and then he goes back to, to Holland to Sparta Rotterdam and then he scores for them on the mm, Friday and was, too, you know yeah. brilliant goal scores a goal which is very mount. my daughter's watching it who you met last week she was sitting in the of studio course. she's only 10 years old and she went that goal was really like Neil Malpe it was like you know what I'm saying so she spots these things so yeah it was very Malpay-ish that goal so Halil I thought that we might have actually uh, managed to drag him in a little bit early from um, Sparta you know even if we have to give him a little bit of money and stuff like that to try and get him early and I thought he might have been in this week but unfortunately that's not the case he'll be with Sparta till January so we need to do what we have to do and keep our heads above water then all of a sudden we're going to have another striker who's been playing matches from Sparta to come in in January so all of a sudden Oli may be in the middle or he may be out the wing or you know you just never know Absolutely. Options at Griffin Park this season. Right, next up, we are going to be looking ahead to the game against Cambridge in the League Cup tomorrow night and also looking back at a momentous occasion from the 98-99 season. Love Sport. This is Love Sport Radio and the Brentford Fan Show with the guys from Besotted, Billy the B. Grant and Jerry the Cabby Burke. Right, we're going to discuss Cambridge United ch- now, chaps. Billy's got his hand up. He's really can't wait to start talking. I'm telling you, I've got my hands in the air because, like I said, tell you why my hands are in the air is because Awusu had his hands in the air when he scored against Cambridge at that time. And well, I'll tell you what it is, right? I was thinking about this and I thought, God, we haven't played Cambridge for such a long time, really. And the thing about it is that Cambridge were actually part of the furniture. Remember back in the day, we literally used to play them every year. And it was like a sort of really bog-standard, sort of mid-table, third-division, you know, third-tier match at the time. You know? Un- unremarkable was probably the term yeah, you're looking Yeah, <laughs> it was, though, you know. So we used to play Cambridge and we were there and they beat us. Some, um, to be fair, I was looking at the records. and in, in the 80s, we kind of had the better of them. You know, they come out of... The first time we played them in 1970, then they came through. And in the 80s, they became a third-division side like us, third-tier. And we had the better of them overall all the way through the 80s. 80s pretty much until the back end of the 80s and that's when they got good they had John Beck as their manager and uh, they had Dion Dublin who played for them scored um, at playoff final against Cheetahfield stroke Chesterfield in the mm. fourth division and that was the first Cheetahfield that's what we it's call a, it's a bit of history here there is it? a bit of history actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> we shall move on okay All right, and uh, yeah first ever playoff finals um, goal was Dion Dublin against uh, Cheetahfield and so they got promoted and they got promoted twice in a row and they got up to the old first division which is now the championship as well and that, that I remember that rise because we played um, Cambridge at one time and I just remember playing them and I remember <laughs> Dublin, he was really big and he was strong. He probably scored against us. And I actually really liked Dion Dublin at the time because he was a black player who was in the ascendancy. Um, you know, all black players that are doing things out there for me being a, a black football fan, I did have respect and I had to tip my cap to them. So Dion Dublin, for me, the fact they came from Division 4 and was going up to Division 2, I really liked him. Even when, like, I didn't want him to score against us. And also the other thing is that um, his brother Ash lived around the corner from me or he had a studio he used to make reggae records like you know what I'm saying in his basement literally on Churchfield Road in Acton and I used to pop down there and I, I used live to up just around the corner from that myself That's right yeah so I used to pop down there and um, I used to hire a sound system from him for my house party so I used to get these massive great big sort of reggae sound systems wheel it down the road from Dion me and Dion Dublin now brother. I know who to blame right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, those noise you know, complaints that's right <laughs> 6 o'clock in the morning so Ash Dublin big shout out to you mate as well I'll tell you something those are wicked parties and thanks for the system mate thanks for the deal
you know <laughs> but um but we shall move on like i said you these cambridge memories but we were just talking about you know players who played because we're talking about Dion dublin um obviously as well there's also still steve butler who scored loads of goals for cambridge but i didn't realize he also played for brentford before he went to Cambridge in, in the in the early 80s and he was rubbish for Brentford but he was brilliant for Cambridge he carried on from us as well because he didn't do anything and then he I think he ended up being Maidstone something like that Steve that's, Big Blondeer wasn't he was that right. 6 foot 3 6 foot 4 yeah that's right so Couldn't yeah a, 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 and, and so we were just going through what other players played for both teams as well remember David Crown as well I mean apparently yeah, David we, Crown was there he was one of the early wingers as yeah. well from Brentford probably um, just early part of my, of my time going actually Dave Crown I don't took not too many memories of him no but uh, Andy no. Sinton would be the big that's right big name yeah we signed him from Cambridge if I remember mm. rightly and he was a big player for Brentford did a lot of really good things for us then went on to QPR and was a little bit gutted that he actually thinks that QPR is his main team and mm. he's forgotten he ever played for Brentford <laughs> as well um who else robbie robbie cook now robbie cook he was a Maybe brilliant a forward, he yeah. was a brilliant player for us as well we signed him he scored 14 for 65 at cambridge and then he signed for us he scored 53 in 125 games including that game which i'll never forget when we scored down at bournemouth in the leyland daft southern semi-final the game that got us to wembley when we played Wigan the following one and it was a night game and Robbie Cook scored a goal I remember he just sl- I think slid on his knees towards the fans who were there beyond the end it was an absolutely brilliant Robbie Cook you remember that one? I don't remember that goal but I remember him vividly yeah a little sort of red head curly hair that's good little sniffer in the box wasn't he Robbie right, Cook that's right that's right as well probably unlucky he didn't go further than us really up the leagues that, with good goal scoring record that's right Andy Sinton as well. Andy Sinton scored for... Uh, he, no, sorry, Andy Sinton. We talked about Dean Holdsworth. He finished up his career as well because he started his I career at Brentford. I never knew that, actually. Yeah, mm. he started at Brentford. I, I have to tell you, Billy and, uh, and Jerry, that we have had a, a WhatsApp in just as you were announcing Robbie Cook. Malky B from Hounslow just sent, a, sent us a message on WhatsApp just screaming, Robbie Cook! <laughs> Obviously, as you were reading them out, <laughs> he thought of Robbie Cook. telling you, he's a football agent now, actually. He was... Um, uh, I'm not sure if he's still working with David Moyes, but you know the knowledge here, the B knowledge is coming mm. out like but yeah he was working with david moyes um and he was at man united if i remember rightly and he was also at everton and there was rumors that he was going to come to brentford as the, the director of football or the, the the chief scout but i'm not sure if that's 100 percent true that might have just been wafting around and knowing brentford we don't go for those big timers now we always go left field so maybe that was just a somebody just made it up like in the pub like something like we do <laughs> when you think of of those days that there is i can tell by the way you're talking there's a real romanticism about that era brentford are in a, a different stage now you're obviously challenging for honours which you have done in the past but now there's a real in the ascendancy with the new stadium as well how do you compare the two eras because some football fans think oh it was so much better in that day when there wasn't so much pressure and we used to get on with fans and there were these players that were seen to be closer to the fans how do you compare the two eras well i, I think we're still close to the players mm-hmm. you know that's that's never changed and you know the fact that they walk from the hotel to the ground you know i can't imagine when Pontius Jansen signed for us, that he ever thought that that was going to be a case, you know. Suddenly on a Saturday, yeah, it's half one, off you go, lads. He's probably sitting there waiting for the coach. No, 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 it's walk up the road, you know, that's the way it is. Um, but those days, I don't know, they still feel sort of close. I, th- I don't think there's much change. You still want to win games, regardless of what division you're in or, you know, the magnitude of the game. It, it's still a game you, you just want to win. Um, I think the only, I think back to that era, and I just think of the pitches. <laughs> just the absolute mud baths that they were and you know wet and sodden and you know early 80s I guess when I first started going sort of early 80s early mid 80s it was Griffin Park with about four and a half five thousand in there you know and it was the big Royal Oak and we were all congregated in one little bit in the middle just to you know probably more for warmth than anything else I, th- I think you know one thing is that when you're younger those are your formative years. So when you go to football, those are the years that you remember. So even if you're in the, the lower fourth division, when you're sort of kind of 10, 11, you know, 13, 14, you remember those years. And I think for some of the kids who are eight, 17, 18, 16, 15 now, they'll remember these years mm. now and think they're the best years ever. But the one thing obviously about those years is that, you know, you went to football regardless. It didn't matter. It was win or lose. You went there to meet your mates, have a laugh, have some drinks, or you're probably too young to drink as well as, as the time. But also the players were, I think, closer than they are now because there was less of this media culture 
culture. So, you know, when we sort of started the besotted thing, you know, um, Lloyd Awusu come down the pub, you know, Ija Anderson used to come down the pub, Terry Evans invited us down to his local pub, you know, I mean, Dennis Salmon invited us to his house in South in, in South End one time for oh, tea, yeah. you know, just things like that that just used to happen. You know, it was a, a definitely a lot of closeness. You know, after we beat uh, Manchester City in the FA Cup, we've gone up in the players' bar and we're drinking with Steve Perriman and all the players, you know, afterwards till seven, 11 o'clock at night, then Steve Perriman gives us a lift home in my car, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, the manager. Yeah. So kind of, it's, there's a definite difference now than it was then. There's obviously a lot more, slightly more corporate and slightly more, you know, there, there's mm. a lot more rules in place, but, you know, we still try to keep a, a, an yeah. earthier feel. I mean, the other thing I remember is as a kid as well, regardless of what game it was, when the, when the ref blew the final whistle, you were over the barriers and onto the pitch. Mm. You know, up with, you know, your hero because they are your heroes. Um, so I guess Brentford are doing the best as they can in this kind of modern football to sort of make kids feel that they are part of something and get the players close to them with the family days and everything else, you know. But again, this security is coming to play, isn't it, in the last sort of modern era? It has indeed. Well, it is 20 years, chat, since that wonderful day in May 1999 after relegation the previous season, of course, Brentford won the then third division it, it was, was called at the it's time it's easiest to call the third mm. tier because then you know exactly what we're talking about yeah. then, didn't you <laughs> absolutely yes and we've spoken obviously to the hero on that day Lloyd Owusu and also Darren Powell who recalled that great victory against Cambridge winner takes all in 1999 we knew going into that game both teams were already promoted as everyone knows but it was whoever it was winner takes all whoever won that game actually won the actual league and our preparation was brilliant and like you say we were at the hotel the night before just had a good night with the boys, uh, pre-match meal, uh, and then in the afternoon on the Saturday morning, just went for a little, nice little stroll along the <coughs> along the river and everything. Like I said, we saw you fans as well. The, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> we, saw, we saw you guys, and then like I said, we just had to we went, got to the ground, and then the atmosphere you guys created, though, like Darren said, about Brentford, it's all about a, it's all about a family-based club and a real supporter club. They, you were there in your droves. I mean, what we we probably had what 1,500, 1,500 Brentford fans there. It was just, it was just a dream come true. I mean, for us, it was, it was, it was, it was exceptional. I, 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 I remember the day. I, I just thought it, it was going to be our day in terms of, and I guess now just bumping into the supporters, it was nostalgic. You, you know, just just bumping into to the supporters just gave us that extra, extra motivation. Like, so our run was 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 good leading into him. We was all confident and, you know, Lloyd was scoring God knows how many goals and stuff and we, we was all confident. It was just youthful exuberance and, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not just saying it because we're monks, I'm, we, you know, we're monks here, but the, the, the morning, it was a nice sunny day and stuff and then come and see the supporters and the supporters are just, you know, uh, you, you know, bigging you up and stuff. You just felt that, that it just gave you extra drive. You, you know, and um, obviously after we won the game, it was just it was just obviously brilliant. It, you know, from from the begin start of the season to to that point, I I had never I would have never uh, guessed that I would have been part part of that. It was a cagey, it was still a cagey game though. Yeah, it was. Really, it was when, he won, when he won it one nil, but obviously they had they had quite a few chances. You know, I mean Trevor Benjamin up top as well. You know, what I mean Butler. he was giving was you, Martin, Martin Butler. Martin Butler. Martin I mean, Martin. I mean them. I mean them two are good strikers. I mean they gave Darren and Herman. You know, what I mean a good run out as well. But again, luckily for ourselves, they made a mistake with a. And I remember Andy Woodman. I think it was a massive boot up top, and their centre half tried to head it, or whether he tried to head it back to the goalkeeper. I just sort of played off his shoulder, and I just saw a goalkeeper coming out, advancing, and I just dinked it over him. And then as soon as that goal went in, as soon as they scored that, I said they will not score mm. past us. There's no chance to win the league. There was no chance that they was going to win. They scored out. That's all we needed. We just needed that goal. Uh, and we said there's no chance that they was going to score. Exactly. Excuse my language. No, it's true. But, but like, true. and also like you say, these like when you look at the like when I was even when I see that goal now, but you see the excitement from you fans, all you guys who who was there that day, just just the the joy on your faces and the real real drive just to take us through that last 15, 20 minutes of that game to to see the game out one nil. It was just it was uh, for me word of over stuff. It was just brilliant. <laughs> Some great memories there, Billy. Absolutely. As he said, Roy the Rover stuff. Just to let you know, that was from Lloyd Awusu and Darren Powell. They're reflecting on Brentford's victory up at Cambridge. That was recorded at the Besotted 
Pride of West London Christmas Bees Up, which is at the Fuller's Brewery. And uh, we haven't put that out yet, so it's still an exclusive. And that is an exclusive little kit for that. But we're going to put it out, hopefully, within the next week or two, possibly by the weekend or the weekend after. We're going to put that out, and it's all full glory. You should listen to it. It's absolutely wicked, like you say. And also, what we've got is uh, we're actually going to be announcing, at the same time, a number of Legends events that we're going to be putting out over this year to commemorate Brentford's last season at Griffin Park, including an event on Saturday the 31st of August. So it's the Derby game. We're going to be doing some something on that day as well so hopefully within the next week or so we're going to announce that so look out for the podcast and look out for the events as well absolutely look out for them just talking about that game in general and the season i suppose in general some some names there that they mentioned obviously trevor benjamin and martin butler were, were up top for cambridge but up top for you guys like lloyd awusu was there andy scott was there scott partridge who came in that season as well spent a lot of money under ron nodes at the time herman horridison mm. deciding to go pretty much from the top tier to the bottom tier it was quite a special season wasn't it it was a brilliant season and i have to say because we've been promoted i think four times in my lifetime um uh, twice in division two twice and you know twice in, twice in the third tier twice in the second tier <laughs> we've been promoted from and i still going back to is it peter bray your favorite one is cambridge your favorite one i mean cambridge for me was a perfect perfect moment because everything about the day was just brilliant you know you know punting on the river as we all went down there we we're all wearing white wigs and we we're wearing cambridge university sort of jackets and stuff <laughs> like that you know and then the players came out on their walk as they were talking about and they met all the fans so you know we met them beforehand on this sort of kind of blazing day and then we went there we scored the goal you know it was fantastic and i'd organized the coach and i had about sort of kind of 30 bottles of champagne underneath just in case we won the league when he came out yeah, got them well out for everybody so we you know honestly everything just kind of worked perfectly on that day so for me it was just it it was a really really uh great day but like i said to the, t- the players that he had that season as well you know Hydrans and some herman horizon signed for seven hundred fifty thousand pounds i mean rod knows you know he put his money into his pocket at the time but it, as we know now it wasn't actually his money because mm. it was our money and all things went horribly mm. wrong after that which but we'll move on from that because that's the negative side of things because we've moved on from that but we have to remember that we got some joy out of that um, uh, even though the, if we probably knew how the money's been spent, we probably would have said to him, like, you know, please don't sort of kind of, you know, have three coaches, three head coaches, <laughs> and, you know, buy these million pound players, you know. We, and also, the other thing is, you speak to the players, they were saying that we were the money team. So we were all playing all these teams, like they're going out to Plymouth and stuff like that, and they were trying to rough us up because they were like, we were like the Chelsea on the Man United of the, of the, of the third tier um, at the time, or uh, fourth tier, actually, at yeah. the time, you know. And it was like, it was really, really, really weird sort of kind of thinking that we're actually Brentford, but we were actually the money bags there was such a gap as well in terms of when you hit the top of the table you had a decent run at the start of the season top in october and then it wasn't until pretty much the penultimate game that you got to the top again so an incredible run a few a few dodgy moments in january and february and, and november as well where you lost a few games on the bounce but you talk of players paul evans came in as captain the halfway line hero paul mm. evans the one that sticks out for me is martin Rowlands because he was at wickham as a kid and then went to farnborough and that's where you captured him from we did and rip um Rollins was great for us that season and he was you know it's fantastic and if you speak to all the players they speak very fondly i mean after lloyd that night or lloyd awusu and he went with us and after that they went off and met martin Rollins the next day because they all still meet up mm. so he met up with like you know about eight or nine of the brentford sort of promotion team as well because he'd flown in from australia especially for this do for us as well so that was quite good but um you know marlick Rollins was a great player for us unfortunately he went off to qpr and he did a bit of badge kissing and sort of kind of sort of you know just was not very nice about brentford at all so Brentford fans aren't very fond of him so uh, don't mention Martin Rowland sorry again. I brought up a bad egg I do apologise I was thinking the Wiccan fans would probably be great he was a good, they he was good player though to be fair to me he was a good player but yeah badge kissing yeah. okay. no. no taken I will definitely never mention him again right that was a Cambridge contest of old after this we're going to be looking to tomorrow's game speaking to Ollie Slack from Cambridge United's biggest fan page Yabba TV Love Sport The Opposition View on Love Sport Yes, it is the opposition view on the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. We've got about six or seven minutes left. Delighted to say we've got Ollie Slack on the line from Yabba TV, Cambridge United's biggest fan page. How are you doing, Ollie? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. I'm joined by Billy the B Grant and Jerry the Cabot from Bissotted. How are you doing, Ollie? You all, you all good, mate? 
Yeah, very well, thank looking you. Yeah, looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We just had a little, I don't know, you probably didn't. We had a bit of a reminiscence session now, actually. We were talking about the old Cambridge days and the Dion Dublins of the world and your. John you know, Beck, yeah. Uh, John Beck. And oh, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we were sort of saying, you know, we quite quite like Cambridge. They were sort of kind of uh, punching above their weight now. But obviously, you know, you had a little bit of a bit of a bad spell where you went out the league for a bit then you've mm-hmm. come back and there's a bit of a renaissance now i mean what's the new what's the new cambridge saying um it's a strange sort of situation really because like you say obviously went out the league um in the early 2000s and then came back under richard money in 2014 and since then they've sort of just hovered really above the relegation spots and had a couple of seasons back in league two where they sort of flirted with the playoffs we didn't really come anywhere close but sort of around 11 to 12 and then the last couple of seasons, they've been, again, sort of back struggling again, just above the relegations. And last year was a tricky year because um, the board said they had to cut their cloth in terms of spending. So Joe Dunn was the manager at the time, and, and he was there on, on a pretty low budget and didn't really get many players in, or the players that he would like. And then, of course, subsequently he was sacked. Colin Coldwoods came in, and this season had a bit more money to spend. And he's, he's brought in, by the looks of it so far, some decent players. And uh, the hopes for this season, I guess, is just to try and push up a bit more higher in the league. And I guess stabilise as a League 2 club now and not have to worry about the teams over your shoulder. So, so Ollie, who do we need to be looking out for us, Brentford fans? Who do we need to be looking out for tomorrow? <laughs> who can cause us problems? Uh, good question. Well, we, we signed a, a young striker called Andrew Dallas from Rangers, a 20-year-old for an undisclosed fee. Um, which is our first signing for undisclosed fee for a while, actually. And he's meant to be, he was tipped to meant to be uh, quite a, a decent prospect. And many at Rangers were surprised that he left. So he's, he's probably one to look out for. Luke Hannon signed from Port Vale at the start of the season really well. Uh, the use number seven. But also, interestingly, one player Cambridge fans haven't actually seen yet is a striker called Harvey Nibs from Aston Villa. We signed him uh, in the summer and he picked up an injury in pre-season. And the youth fans haven't seen much from yet, but Colin Calder has said that he's likely to be involved tomorrow evening. So I'm sure both United fans and Brentford fans are pretty excited to see him play. So, I mean, it's interesting. You've got Colin Caldwell, obviously, who's at Villa, assistant Brighton. You know, he did a lot of assistants, you know, Brighton, Hove Albion, mm. Norwich, Birmingham City, um, even Newcastle United. I mean, back in the day, of course, he was manager at Nottingham Forest uh, and yep. Hibs. But this is, in effect, it's like, you know, he's taken on the mantle as a, uh, as a full-on manager, as a full-on head coach now. Uh, what, what difference has he made? Because when he, when he started with you, I think you were in the doldrums a little bit, weren't you? Mm, yeah, certainly were. Yeah, when Joe Dunn was here last year, we we actually played some really good football under Joe, but just couldn't find the back of the net. Probably one of the reasons because, like I said, he didn't have a, a big budget to bring in a striker. But Colin came in and just stabilised us. Really sorted the defence out straight away, and we looked immediately a lot more solid. Um, and he's just he's such a relaxed man. You talk to him at the training ground, and when you go over to press conferences and have a chat with him, and you, you wouldn't think he's a football manager because he's so relaxed, so calm. And that must rub off on the players. I mean, whether it's due to the fact that he probably knows if if he were to leave Cambridge, you could quite easily get a a job as, say, Chris Allen or or Steve Bruce's assistant, wherever he went, because obviously he's had that experience at Premier League level. But I think dropping down to League Two, he wanted that challenge again to maybe prove to himself or or just have another crack at being a first-team manager. But he is is probably one of the most relaxed, calm man you'll ever meet. what you'll notice is that with Brentford, especially when it comes to the League Cup, this has been for years now, we always change our team. We always have our inverted commas, mm. and I put it in inverted commas, second string team out. Okay, we're a, <laughs> you know, we're a championship side, so you know, obviously we've got a, a number of decent players. So again, it's you know, it still is second string to a certain extent. Um, sometimes it frustrates Brentford fans because it's for a League Cup and for the FA Cup we put out second string, and then afterwards we don't do it very well. Cambridge United... Um, are you in that game? I mean, Calderwood, do you think he's going to put out a team and try out some new players, or do you think he's going to go for it against the Bees tomorrow night? Uh, it's a tricky one to say, because obviously the U's haven't been past the first round only once, I think, about the last seven occasions. So you look at that history, and you might think, obviously, the fans making a trip down will also want a little bit of a cup run. And, um, of course, we had a taste of it with the Man United tie in the FA Cup a couple of years back. But I, I honestly think that Colin will be fully concentrated on the league. And he, and he said that he might have to make a couple of uh, changes through injury anyway, because our right-back got injured on the weekend against North, uh, Newport. So um, Colin might bring in a couple of youngsters. And I think he'd have probably done that anyway, really, um, to maybe test a few things out and see what the rest of the squad's capable like to really mount a, uh, some sort of challenge in League 2. I think that's where his main concentration lies. And I think he'll probably use tomorrow night's game as a bit of an exercise to, uh, to test out some other players. All right, OK, so... Very briefly, big match tomorrow. Bees, the Cambridge, score prediction. Oh, 
I, I did I did a score prediction in the Brentford programme, and, and I did unfortunately go out sound like a, a goal to nil victory for Brentford because the user struggled this season. But then the user actually kept a couple of clean sheets, so I'll reduce the goals I went for. I went for a three nil Brentford win. I'll go for a two nil Brentford win. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we'll do our predictions at the end of this show. But look, it's really good chatting to you. Hopefully, we might catch up for you tomorrow night at Griffin Park. Yes. Nice one. Thank you, mate. Cheers for joining us, Ollie. That was Ollie Slack from Yabba TV, Cambridge United's biggest fan page. Of course, they started the season with two goalless draws, gents. Oh, so yeah, and we don't Tied like we Tied don't like teams coming down there and, and and tightening up and sort of putting eight men in the midfield because it's uh, we we kind of struggle against that kind of thing. But but you never know. And I think the thing about it, Jerry, and um, again, a big discussion for us is like team selection. Normally for the the League Cup. We all of a sudden we change the team quite a lot, but for this one it actually could be a positive move because we brought in so many new players. Some of these players actually have to get a game, and we're really excited to see them get a game. So we're sitting there, there trying to pick what the team's going to be, and we were struggling a bit now, weren't we? Well, I, I kind of it's what way he wants to go with this, isn't it, for Thomas Frank? Whether he just thinks this is a one-off game and I'm just going to go and win it, and therefore he just changes the, the team completely, or he thinks you know what I'll use this as a to get the likes of Watkins used to playing in the number nine and I want to get the relationship between the centre-half. So, you know, I think it'll be a, a bit of a, a mix-and-match team out there tomorrow. Valencia hopefully will show his face, the new signing, and Mbremo will show his face as well. And I think that'll be a really, really good start for us as well. And don't forget, tickets are available still. £5 adult standing, £10 sitting, £1 kids at Griffin Park. I think you could even pay on the day as well. And Hull as well on Saturdays, kid for a quid, or quid for a kid, or whatever you call it. <laughs> kids for a quid as well. It's Hull on Saturday, one quid, and 20 kids for adults as well so you should get down there Griffin Park's really buzzing at the moment now so definitely definitely just go there forget this premiership nonsense or premier league nonsense <laughs> and you've got a besotted podcast live on Thursday as That's, well right, so our podcast should be live on Thursday as well Pride of Lock West London you can check it out as well so we'll have post Cambridge game as well and also we've got Bobby from Hull giving her view on the Hull game as well so we'll have two little podcasts one big one and one little preview podcast lovely stuff very quickly a result for tomorrow prediction just need the result 3-0 3-0 2-0 2-0. There we go. Right, That was the Brentford Fan Show on Love Spot Radio. We'll be back at 8pm next Monday. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.